E aí, tudo bem? Hoje a gente vai conversar um pouco sobre idiomas. Ajuda você para falar meio em qualquer idioma você quer. What's up? Today we're going to talk about languages and talk a little bit about how to help you speak a little bit better in whichever language you want. Welcome to Sun Chasing Success, a podcast for online entrepreneurs, authors, and influencers worldwide. We are here to enhance your quality of life while helping you build location-independent businesses. We connect listeners with guests, insights, and discussions from the sunny coasts of the USA to the crystal blue waters of the Caribbean islands. Fascinating dialogue from the enchanting beaches of Brazil to the majestic shores of Africa. Each week we deliver specialized knowledge, wisdom, strategies, and tips to enhance your success, freedom, and fun under the sun. Now, here's your host, Bayo Oloronto. Welcome back, welcome back. In this episode, we're going to talk about language hacks and learning language faster. This is Sun Chasing Success Podcast, where we help entrepreneurs all over the world get more sun in your life by providing wisdom, strategies, and tools to help you establish and grow your location-independent businesses, create massive passive income online, and bring you more freedom, success, achievement, fun, and fulfillment under the sun. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Sun Chasing Success. On this episode, we're going to give you some strategies, some tips, some ideas, some methods to learn languages a lot faster with a lot less stress. Here's the three parts we're going to cover today. We're going to talk about pronunciation and vocabulary, verbs and grammar, and how to practice to achieve more fluency. Today is all about language hacks. I'm Bio, and this is Sun Chasing Success. All right, all right, let's get into it now. Now, my first experience learning language was really, I have to go back to my truest first experience because I grew up in a household of my father speaking a language called Yoruba, which is from Benin, West Africa. For those of you who are from uh, the Western part of Africa, you know about Yoruba. And some of you in Brazil even know about Yoruba because of the transatlantic slave trade Many of the uh, religions that were carried into Brazil, which now has between 50 and 80 million uh, African descendants in Brazil, uh, are from Yoruba traditions and, and many of the peoples of Western Africa. So I grew up with my dad uh, speaking Yoruba around me. So that was my first exposure to language. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't learn at a young age because a lot of the um, elder generation of Africans that, that came to the United States, they had something strange in their mind, probably a lot from uh, the colonial mentalities of the past that if, you know, you're not as uh, articulate with, uh, you won't be as articulate with English if you're kind of like somehow um, tainted by knowing your original language, which I think is horrible. But that's something that a new generation is changing now. But the idea is that a lot of them thought that if you have too many languages when you're young, you'll be confused and you'll have accents. And it's just really like inferiority type stuff, unfortunately. Um, but the beautiful part about it is that became like a, sort of a, 
a barrier for me speaking to my family as I was growing up. And it, it made me curious about learning languages and it made, me under, it made me wonder what was really the power of learning languages. And so that was my first exposure to foreign language. And it was quite frustrating when I was younger. But as I got older, I started learning how to take that kind of like limitation and turn it into a positive. The other thing is because Benin was colonized by the French, um, when it came to high school of choosing to, you had to choose like these uh, these um, other courses that go with your regular curriculum and things to prepare for college and stuff like that. I said, well, let me just go with the French so I can learn a little bit of French from my people that are in Benin and some of the other colon uh countries that were colonized by the French in West Africa. So I started French when I was about 15 or so, about a sophomore in high school. And I took it for three years in high school. And then I took it for another couple of semesters in college. And I still remember some of the words and some of the phrases, but French didn't really stick with me. And I later learned out why it's because uh, the the teaching methods. And um, so that was my, my second strike with not picking up a language. And uh, so I was like, well, okay, but I did okay with it in terms of the grammar. And that's one of the things I'm going to talk about today. Uh, Because, see, we did a lot of repetition. And you probably remember from any language you took in school, whether you had to take Spanish or French or Latin. They do a lot of repetition. They do a lot of worksheets and they do a lot of definitions and vocabulary and grammar. But they don't show you how to rev up the engine of actually speaking, of practicing, of living. They try, but it, does, it just doesn't, it's not adequate enough, in my opinion, to really help somebody speak a language, especially if you're not going to be at all immersed in it. So that was my, so French was my second strike in language, second strike out of trying to learn. But I could, I did well on some translation. Uh, I even did well on a competition at school. Um, So, I mean, you could say I technically learned French, but again, to me, a lot of people say that they've learned a language, but learning a language is like reading the manual to a language, but living and speaking a language is different than learning a language. You're learning about the language, you're learning information and grammatical rules, but you're not speaking the language. So that's a big distinction a lot of people need to make. Even even the vocabulary, when we say, oh, I want to learn French, I want to learn Spanish, I want to learn Portuguese, stop saying that. Stop saying you want to learn the language. Start saying you want to speak the language and start focusing on speaking the language and listening to the language and actively participating in the language. And that way you can get past this learning barrier that ironically educators gave people these learning barriers to language. Now, French, there's a lot of French speakers. I mean, you got French in Belgium, Benin, Burkina Faso, Burundi, Cameroon, Canada. Uh, You have um, Central African Republic, Chad, uh, uh, Ivory Coast, the, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Djibouti, Equatorial Guinea, um, France, <laughs> France, of course, Guinea, Haiti, Luxembourg, Belgium, Madagascar, Mali, Monaco, Niger. So there's a lot of countries that French is the official language. Now, uh, so, so it, it's, 
it becomes valuable when you start thinking about it, especially if you're if you're African-American or you're African and you're thinking about traveling to Africa. If you're anybody that wants to travel to Africa, then it's in your benefit or even Haiti it's in your benefit to learn some more French. Um, I'm working on connecting more with the Republic of Benin now, so I'm practicing more, much more on my French and learning more French. But thankfully, I had, th I had another strikeout to go as far as being bad in language before I got to figure out how to learn a language. The second attempt was Spanish. So Spanish was interesting because I started coming across Spanish when I got to the D.C. area uh, when I, my early 20s and then my time in New York City. And there was a lot of Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, and they have a unique slant towards Spanish as well. So that makes that funny and interesting. And uh, so I tried, I tried, but again, I just, I, I would buy the books. I would buy the PIMSA audio or even download the audio. I even had some of the torrent audios and I would try, but again, I would have friends tell me phrases and I just, and see what I didn't realize that I know now was my process was all jacked up. And to learn a language, you have to have a process to practice. You can't just wing it with the language. In order to, you, a language is like lifting weights. It's like you need gradual process every single day that makes you stronger and stronger in key category areas of the language. And of course, I didn't have that. I just had books and a bunch of audios and a bunch of people telling me dirty Spanish words. <laughs> and, uh, Hearing Spanish out on the street, Dominicans talking street Spanish. So it was just uh, very confusing. And I just, I mean, again, what happens is all of this drills into your mind. Remember, this is now, I'm now on strike three, <laughs> failing for the third time to learn a language. Um, so I'm, uh, I remember, yeah, I had the, uh, I was in this apartment on 139th Street and uh in broadway in harlem and ironically when i was searching for this apartment i was moving from i think i was moving from at that time was it queens or brooklyn coming straight over i think it was queens for the first time because i started working at a gym in midtown manhattan and uh i found a roommate that actually happened to be from my hometown of huntsville alabama this dude named kevin and uh he had another guy that was, they were room, uh, rooming there and he was from New Jersey and he was Liberian. So I had a, another African there and I had a guy from my hometown in Huntsville, Alabama. So that was cool in Harlem. And uh, there's, you know, a cool brotherhood, you know, with those guys. And basically, you know, I was like, they knew my passions. I came in, I said, look, man, I do a lot of stuff. I rap, I write, I sell fitness. I'm trying to learn Spanish. You know, <laughs> so they knew about all the things I was doing, but my methods, I didn't know the right methods, right? So, but I always had the drive and the determination, the drive and the determination. So I tried buying like uh, Spanish children's books. I tried listening to bachata music. Oh man, all kinds of bachata. I mean, I'm not saying anything's wrong with bachata music, but after some time, it kind of, it kind of wears on you a little bit if you're not used to it. And... Um, <laughs> So then I thought of this brilliant idea because I started reading about the importance of vocabulary. Now, I had one slice of the pie right. 
So I had the vocabulary idea right. So in order to, to, to speak in language, you got to have a lot more vocabulary words. So what I did was I got sticky notes in this apartment, 5W, 139th Street and Broadway, right next to Santiago's Deli. I got sticky notes. And man, I went back to the apartment and I just wrote down everything in the apartment. Wall, uh, toilet, mirror. And I took a sticky note and I taped sticky notes across the whole apartment. The whole apartment was flooded with sticky notes. <laughs> and uh, the other brothers were at work, right? Other brothers were at work. And then uh, I was just like, all right, I'm dedicated. So I'm like in the kitchen cooking, thinking about my Spanish, looking at spoon, looking at cabinet. I'm like, I'm going to immerse. And I guess I automatically thought, hey, you know, everybody wants to learn Spanish. We're surrounded by Spanish people. We're in Harlem. We're up here on, on, in, Dominican, in, in the Dominican uh, subculture. So we need to learn. So I'm thinking everybody be cool with it. <laughs> but needless to say, Kevin came home and he was crazy. He was like, man, man, how can you do this, man? You can't, you can't be like, we got to have some public space. <laughs> no, but he's a, he's a funny guy. He's a funny guy. So we, uh, we got into it pretty heavy about that. And uh, we, we agreed that we would leave the public space in the apartment neutral. Um, but that's how crazy it was. It was a fun environment. Even when I was moving up to that apartment, uh, this monk just showed up out of nowhere, like straight from Buddha. Uh, he was just, he, he was dressed. He was, he had his offerings and he's like, do you, do you guys, uh, need to need help? I'm like, uh, we're like loading stuff out of the car and, and, and that, that, that building, man, it was hot. That building was a five flight walk up with stairs, no elevator. So the monk is like, we'll help you out, you know. If you, you know, he looked like he was straight from Tibet, just a Buddhist monk from Tibet, and um, he had the robes and everything. We're like, all right, man. I mean, if you want to, I mean, you don't have to, because <laughs> he offered the offering, and I was like, no thanks, I'm cool. And uh, so then he starts, he starts helping us load up, and I'm like, this is wild. I'm here in Harlem on 139th, and in. And Broadway and a monk is helping me move in, you know, so that, that was wild. And anyway, by the end of that, he, he helped us with a meditation session <laughs> and he showed us how to meditate after that. So but th that was that was my third strike. So after that, I really didn't. I mean, I tried Spanish all my time in New York. I always tried to learn a little bit, tried to speak with people, try to get people to tell me things, tried to get the ladies to help me out. I tried everything and, uh, you know, it just didn't work. So, I, again, third strikeout. Now, you would think third strikeout. I even did the third strikeout part two. <laughs> so when I got to Miami, that's like almost 50% Spanish. So then I'm like, okay, yeah, Miami, I'm, I got to learn Spanish. I'm here in Miami, had the books, same thing, books, audios. And by that time, I was interested in traveling to Brazil as well. So I started, uh, I started getting the Portuguese. Now, I, for me personally, this is an interesting point. Like for me personally, the pronunciation of Portuguese actually has been easier as a first time learner than Spanish because Spanish, you got to roll those R's. You, you have to, you have the, the, it's a little bit sharper on the mouth. It's a little more inside with the throat and things like that. So just from my speaking style, I found Portuguese to be a little bit more friendly to my speaking style. And that's something I learned later as well. 
Um, but in, in, in Miami, it's funny because the problem that I have with Miami is because a lot of Spanish speakers in Miami speak English. <clears throat> so I found myself more in situations where I was trying to do stuff for business or trying to work or sell uh, fitness or training. And I would try to speak a little Spanish and they would just be like, just speak in English. I got it. Because, <laughs> you know, they, a lot of Miamians, they're, they're, uh, they don't have a lot of patience for trying to teach Spanish either. So they got kind of that mixture of the, uh, the American drive, the go-get-it drive from New York, and then Spanish is just in Spanish. But they're like, no, nah, I don't got time for that. So let's just speak in English, you know. And so <clears throat> after that, I didn't give up. I didn't give up, but I just felt like many of you might feel like that. Like, damn, like, how do you learn a language? Is it too late? Is it too late to really actually learn? So what happens is we develop these disempowering beliefs. One of the disempowering beliefs is, oh, if I didn't learn it as a child, then I'm never really going to get it again. Um, another disempowering belief is languages are hard to learn. And I'm not, and it's just, I don't have the time. And another disempowering belief is, oh, the only way to learn is you have to be in the country. Now, I will say being in the country helps. But what I learned from being in Brazil is that it's not being in the country that actually helps you learn the language. In Brazil, a lot of people watch movies in English, listen to music in English. And if I'm by myself in my own apartment in my room, then I don't necessarily have to speak Portuguese. The default human instinct is to not speak it because your natural born language is going to come out whether you're writing people online or looking at content online in English. So even being here, I still had to do exercises and intentionally go out and talk to people. Now, that part of the immersion helps. But remember, I was immersed a little bit in New York. I was immersed a little bit in, in Miami as well. And that did, that time, it didn't help. But what happened differently was uh, I had, let me go back, backtrack a little bit. My interest in Brazil and the culture itself was much more vast than the other languages, like than Yoruba, my dad's uh, language, <clears throat> because that the, the interest in that was pretty much only just communicating with family members. There wasn't a huge culture. I mean, I don't want to say that there's culture surrounding it, of course, but there wasn't uh, a direct um, cultural experience that was tied to things I was interested in as a youngster at that time. For example, uh, with Brazilian Portuguese, I was the soccer player that was trying to be the best soccer player I could be in the whole wide world, right? Who were the best soccer players? Brazilians. What did they speak? Portuguese. So that, as a youngster, for kids learning languages, that I didn't have with Yoruba because I had some players, there were African players there, but I had that desire to really, really learn because the Nigerian players were great. I saw Nigerian players as young as five years old in Alabama at Alabama A&M. They were professional players that were playing at the college level. That's a whole long other story. <laughs> um, but I remember seeing them as a kid at five years old. But then it was just... I saw the movie Hot Shot by Pele and Jim Youngs. I watched every World Cup since 1990, and then Brazil won the World Cup in 1994. And so I heard the Portuguese, Portuguese, Portuguese. Then in 1998, I had a, a professor, uh, Sheila Smith-McCoy from uh, Vanderbilt University, who brought Capoeira into the university. 
And I'm forever grateful for that because I started practicing capoeira in Nashville, Tennessee. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Want a free guide to secrets of success under the sun? Visit onorunbooks.com success and subscribe to our email list to have it delivered right to your email inbox. Now back to the show. And then I moved later to the D.C. area. I met a lot of Brazilians there in uh, the New York area. I met Brazilians and, and at different gyms I worked with. I worked with Brazilians and I had clients as Brazilians and I met Brazilians. And so um, even dated Brazilian in Florida, um, Brazilian friends. I was just I was just intrigued also because even as I was learning about Brazil, I was learning about the African influence of Brazil. So I was like, oh. Brazil and Portuguese was actually building a bridge for me back to the Yoruba. So it just, it felt right and it made sense for me. And because there's, like I said, depending on how you count, if they're counting all the pardos, which means mixed people, then there's 80 million black African Brazilians. If they're not, then it's 55, something like that. And sometimes the numbers are different. But um, <laughs> that's, that's where I kind of like realized like, wow. So after all these people telling me, you got to go to Brazil, Bayou, you should go to Brazil. The food, the music, the culture, the beaches, everything that I enjoyed and was interested in motivated me to focus more on Portuguese. Now, even with that, in all my context, I remember being in some gyms in New York and they'd be like, oh, if you want to speak, Bayou, you have to practice. You have to practice. So I'd ask them a phrase and I would try, but it, it was always this feeling that it was never enough to remember. Like I just couldn't remember at the moment what to say to them in, in Portuguese in order to get the, the conversation going. And later I learned that that's because of that, uh, that barrier of the system of learning. So and, you know, a lot of people say, yeah, so the hardest part about learning a language is that it's hard. Okay, well, everything's hard. <laughs> you know, nothing in, in life that's worthwhile is easy. Oh, so you want to have a muscle-bound body, you want to make a million dollars, but you just want it to be easy? Same thing with learning a language. It's just going to be a little difficult. But the challenge builds a muscle in your brain. And that's what you want is brain power. You want mind power. You want to build that language muscle. So you just have to embrace the difficult parts of it and do a little bit at a time. Now, the other, the other, the other, thing, about the, the other thing about the pain is a lot of people feel like a kid again, which could be good or bad depending on how you look at it. A lot of people feel stupid learning a language. They feel awkward. People feel criticized with people always correcting you. I know I'm not the best with that. People feel needy. Sometimes you just feel needy. You're, you're learning this language and you always have to ask everybody, what does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? And then you feel lost and confused 80% of the time. Of course, none of that is comfortable or pleasant. And that's the in internal struggle. Um, when you're learning a language, what you're doing is you're updating your software. I would think about it like that. If you like computers, you're updating your software. You're, uh, you're upgrading, you're leveling up who you are from the inside out. So you have to have confidence. One of the most confident, one of the most, the greatest examples of confidence in people is that they're speaking more than one language because you have to have confidence 
to be able to get your brain and your tongue and your mouth and your ears to do that. You have to trust yourself. There's a lot of instincts that you have to learn how to trust again, um, because it's not like you just you always know everything that you're listening to and how exactly what it means. And you don't sometimes always know how to say everything perfectly. But if you get the patterns, then your instincts start kicking in, allow you to speak. So uh, once you develop that trust in your brain, your language skills start to take place and your brain is powerful and will develop the patterns that you need. So the biggest, the biggest barrier I had was when I got to Brazil, I was uh, first for the first six months, just hitting the ground and just talking to as many people as I could, listening to audios, talking to friends. I was doing uh, training, meeting people, and everything I did, I was constantly trying to learn and absorb new words. I was always writing things down. So by the time I got to some formal Portuguese training, which after six months I was surviving and I was, I was okay in terms of survival. Like I could go to a restaurant or ask where the bathroom is or make it through the day. But I wanted to be a little bit, I wanted to have conversations with people. I didn't want to be like this, this caveman speaking Portuguese. Eu quero agua, por favor. I didn't want to be that, uh, you know, caveman. So I needed to like, I needed to brush up on things. And so it was only when I got with the former Portuguese school, a really interesting school in Campinas in Brazil. If you're ever in uh, Campinas, Brazil, you definitely should go to, or online, if you want to go to online, uh, Interclass Idiomas um, with Pierre Hichaudry. And he had a background for 40 years with his mother, with this smaller school where they would teach Portuguese to um, foreigners. And they also taught French and English to Brazilians. And, and just a big, uh, it was a big uh, interchange of languages and culture and stuff. And so when I connected with them, I had seen his book in a bookstore, but I had already so many piles of books on Portuguese. I thought, oh, what's another book? But little did I know his book is very special. It's called Fala Brazil. And uh, that book, he basically, they broke down the language in an experiential way so that you can learn through certain experiences and conversations and then sprinkle in the grammar and stuff like that. So I learned a little bit more about how to integrate your practices and your process, about how to, what order to learn the language in. And then he had a really good system with verbs and using your hands. So I'm going through all this, but at the same time, um, I worked out an arrangement with him to also teach some English to Brazilians as well. So I started teaching English, and then I'm learning it English more formally, teaching English, and then I'm seeing the feedback from Brazilians trying to learn English, which is challenging in and all it's in itself. And then I'm and then I'm learning Portuguese, and that's what really made the biggest difference for me. Uh, I was so I was really starting to. Uh, really get it and understand why it's been so hard my whole life to learn languages. And now all of a sudden it's coming easy and natural to me. Uh, one of the problems is, is because the way that we're taught, like I said before, we're focusing so much on grammar and not on practice. And people are also getting stuck before playing. Like I said, I would, I would make the analogy again, like uh, football, uh, the world football, which we call the United States soccer, I would say that it's like playing playing soccer where you're you're in this constant 
in, in speaking another language, you're in this constant flux of interaction with another person. And you don't know where they're going to go, what kind of words they're going to say, or, or where the conversation is going. So you have to be ready for all those different influxes of words and sounds and ideas. So you have to train yourself. So it all clicked from there. Once I, once I realized this is a sport, like I, I, I call, I straight up call language a sport. <laughs> Even though we're not like competing to score points, to me, it's a physical practice. It's an art form, a sport, and a cultural device of communication. It's all of these things together. That's why language is so powerful. But basically, you need four basic areas, and then you need four more areas to practice. What I realized was that if you focus on pronunciation and you really drill on pronunciation and get your mouth to move the way that the words should be said, then you're going to make progress. If you really, then, then second would be vocabulary and you're going to start understanding how to identify objects and how to start remembering what word this object is. That's a, that's a big task for the brain for you to look at an apple and be like, oh, masa, or uh, look at a, a chair and think, kadera, you know, like those things, your brain has to make some kind of associations, and your brain needs uh, of, uh, images to make those associations, so that I knew, so, so the vocabulary I had to create a practice for that, then verbs are the describing actions in life and words and, and words that describe actions in life. So you need to be able to identify these actions and, and, and be able to articulate the different conjugations and the times and the presence. One of the, the challenges with a lot of language books is they show you so many verb conjugations in the very beginning. And they're just like, I guess it's just the way that the colleges and the universities think is the more information they can give you about a language, they are the authority on the language. So they're teaching you by showing you that they know every detail about the language. But you as a human being have to take this information and apply it every single day. And that does that big book of 500 or so verbs with 30 conjugations each doesn't help you when you're on the street and you got five minutes to, to get into an Uber, you know, or if you're trying to order something at a restaurant. So when I realized that, I started cutting all the verbs down to like the most 100 uh, common verbs, most 1,000 common verbs. And then I also started cutting down the conjugations to the basic pronouns and then just past, present, and future. Because most human beings talk about action in the past action right now or action in the future. And then sometimes we talk about all these other shades of time and meaning in between. So my advice for you as a beginner is don't worry about all the, the shades of meaning in between first. Just get your past, present, and future down and then get repetitions on that and then everything will get better as, as you go on. Now, after you learn verbs, then my, my suggestion is coming back to the grammar and cleaning it up a little bit, but not before you've practiced. Go ahead and just get to speaking. Just get to trying. Get to, get to making mistakes and errors. And then when you, when you start making errors, you have a reason to use your grammar now and clean it up. 
And then that's kind of what I call my learning circle. Then the other circle is listening, reading, writing, and speaking. So in order to immerse yourself, uh, you have to constantly see the words of the language in front of you, constantly hear the words being going into your eardrum. You need to be constantly, um, you can't really constantly write the words, but you need to write the words down as much as you can in the language. And then you need to speak the language as much as possible because your brain is making a connection between all of these all the time. And the more repetitions and associations your brain has with all of these, the better your language is going to be. And that's how we learn when we're three years old, four years old, five years old, six years old. And that's the way we should be learning when we're 30 years old, 20 years old, 15 years old, 40 years old. We should be learning like that. Now, I always say, yes, people ask me, well, isn't it easier for kids to learn a language because their brain is empty and they have a blank slate? Yes, that is true. That is true. Kids learn languages faster because they have a blank slate to just accept new sounds, words, and images and make associations because they don't have other sounds, words, and images to block the association. So they just get it like, oh, this is an apple. This is a car. What is that? Why is the sky blue? Like they have all those associations and they just keep talking and asking questions and talking and asking questions. Yes, that is an advantage for kids to just absorb directly. But guess what? Adults do have an advantage too, which is life experience. Adults have a lot more memories and experiences and emotions that have been collected, both good and bad, that can be attached to new information. So think about it like a, like a kid's brain is more empty, but an adult's brain is more sticky. There's much more things to stick things to. So if it was like a, a pin board, an adult's brain has more area to pin on and it's more cloud, it's more cluttered. And in a kid's brain, it's just empty areas to pin on. And so that's the way I look at it when it comes to putting in new information into an adult's brain. And so you just have to be a little bit more intent on, on how to um, connect the... How do I say it? Just to connect the images with the words and the meanings of situations and, and all the vocabulary that you're using. So I will say that uh, after that, I just, my Portuguese just took off. And now I, I, I still have to do the test for exactly how fluent I am. But uh, I'm fluent enough to live and converse and, and communicate with a wide variety of people. And uh, now I always make a distinction when people say, oh, my English is because a lot of people see here in Brazil say, oh, my English is so bad. And they're telling me the whole time talking to me in English. I'm like, I understand you. But I think the distinction we all have to make when it comes to language is how fluent do you need to be? Are you trying to be a philosopher? Are you trying to be president of the country? Are you trying to be a salesman, an engineer, a lawyer, a politician? Whatever you're doing with language is going to determine how fluent you need to be and how you would go about that fluency. Because after a certain point with many languages, fluency just becomes based on the content that you're learning. Like, how, like okay, if you wanted to do, be a doctor, 
and you're in, in Colombia and you want to speak Spanish, then you're going to just learn a lot more medical terms in Spanish. And that's just going to serve you better. And that's just, but you're not going to maybe know as many car parts in Spanish. <laughs> so, because we, we all can't know everything in every language. So you just kind of have to, like me, I learned a lot about business, about writing, about, uh, about media, about the websites, about communication, about culture. And I just make my, and a wellness, of course, that's one of my areas. So I like to learn things about wellness in Portuguese. So I learn things in Portuguese that I will learn anyway in English. And that becomes my added layers of fluency. And that's the way that uh, you keep yourself interested. And that's the best way, in my opinion, to approach it when you really want to make sure that you're, you're gaining ground on language and not just going backwards. So again, the last thing is just uh, don't give up. <laughs> don't give up on language because if you, if you have the desire, then you can do it. You just have to dedicate the focus and the practice. And, you know, it's something that uh, it's taught me a lot about how powerful our brains are. You know, when you learn a language, always think about it that you're adding words on instead of taking words away. Um, you're opening your doorway up to millions more people. Like, for example, 270 million people speak Portuguese. So I've opened my doorway to these uh, conversations and communications that can enrich my life, enrich their life. And I, I will have more shows about language because that's a huge thing. And uh, I'd like to bring some Portuguese speakers on the show. And uh, my Spanish isn't so good, but I, I'll try a little bit with that too. Maybe a beginning, somebody who can teach us some beginner Spanish, I'll bring on the show as well. But I just want to have a lot of fun with this on the show. If you're interested in being on the show and you're you have insights about language, I'm all for it. And, and please uh, connect with me and uh, we'll be able to have you on the show and we'll talk about some language things, things to help with language and make things easier and faster for everybody. But language will make you better in a lot of ways too. It'll make you a better online marketer. It'll challenge your brain to see problems differently, try unique things. And, uh, you know, so hopefully you can apply some of these ideas and methods and just remember your goal is to make incremental breakthroughs and just give yourself the, uh, the gift of, of practice and patience and give yourself the gift of learning a little bit at a time and enjoying it. So after, after uh, saying that, I want to bring up just a, a, a quote I think would be relevant for today. And this is an African proverb, a little sunny wisdom. Until the lion learns how to write, every story will glorify the hunter. So that's an African proverb. And that's just to say, African people are all over this earth. Some of us are speaking different languages. But the African story from wherever you're from can connect with others. If you can, if you can get past the language barriers, you can see some commonalities that might enrich your life. So that's all for today. Again, I want to remind you about the Sun Chaser Challenge. So take your favorite photos, relaxing, soaking up sun, and tag them with Sun Chaser Challenge or Sun Chasing Success. And again, always want to thank all of you, my loyal listeners all over the world. You know, may your light shine bright and keep on shining. Again, uh, check out olarunbooks.com success 
for Secrets of Success Under the Sun, the ebook. You can sign up for our newsletter and get that. And for all transcripts, show notes, links to courses, uh, I'm sorry, links to resources we've discussed, including any books, videos, websites, tools, go to olaronbooks.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, keep shining your light, Sun Chasers. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us this week on Sun Chasing Success. Make sure to visit our blog at www.olorunbooks.com slash blog. Again, that's O-L-O-R-U-N books.com slash blog. You can also subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of your favorite platforms, or via RSS so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on your preferred platform. Or you can simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out too. If you like the show, you might want to check out Bio's ebook, Secrets of Success Under the Sun. It's available at olorunbooks.com success. Subscribe to our email list to have it delivered right to your inbox. Until next time, Sun Chasers, cheers to your success.